0: Hello and welcome to the Sustainable Food & Drink podcast, a series that asks how food and agriculture can achieve impact against the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. What is sustainable cocoa? Here we discuss the first ISO sustainability standard for an agricultural
1: commodity and the impact it may have. It is about entrepreneurial farmership. Farmers will be emancipated. This edition features discussion with Jack Stein,
0: chair of the International Organization for Standardization's Sustainable Cocoa Standard. We also have comments from NGO The Voice Network's Anthony Fountain.
2: We don't think that you could say that the ISO standard is the standard for sustainability.
0: I'm Oliver Nyberg, a market analyst for Luminar Intelligence Sustainability, the insight service behind this podcast. ISO standard 34101, the standard for sustainable and traceable cocoa, was published in May this year after eight years in the making. It was conceived to mainstream sustainable cocoa and ensure everyone is on the same page about what it means. I started by asking Jack Stein what the ISO standard will really change.
1: The standard uh, will be used by companies that want to prove the sustainability of the cocoa they use. The objective of the standard is to help farmers become sustainable entrepreneurs. All the requirements are for farmer organizations that need to develop into professional organizations themselves. As an impact, if it is used this way, farmers will be emancipated. Uh, will be put in a position where they can decide about the future of their farm, decide whether their future lies in cocoa or maybe not.
0: You said working towards these kind of standards will help emancipate farmers. Why that kind of language? That makes it sound like farmers are in somehow trapped in, in some way.
1: Yes, I was, I was choking on the word emancipate. Uh, you see a lot of thinking at this moment. Uh, definitions of sustainable cocoa is, is changing from maybe, uh, let's say over the last 20 years, it started with, with charity. Uh, it became uh, what people in the West think people in cocoa producing countries should do. Uh, then the focus was on increasing productivity. Uh, and now the focus is changing to helping farmers become entrepreneurs and make their own decisions. So that is a form of emancipation. It is about entrepreneurial farmership.
0: Why did this come about in the first place? And specifically, what was what was your role in in negotiating the standard?
1: Um, the initiative was taken, I think, in 2011, and mostly because in um, in in that period, uh, European Union, European Parliament were thinking of. Uh, setting their own standards on what uh, sustainable cocoa should look like. And then the initiators, mostly industry, said if this is coming towards us, let's take the initiative ourselves and let's set up a standard for sustainable cocoa. Uh, the first idea was to do that in the context of the European Normalization Standardization Institute, Sen And in those days, I was asked to, to become... Uh, chair or to uh, to run for chairmanship because it has been an election. We soon decided that it should be at ISO level because as I said earlier, CEN is only uh, Europe so cocoa producing countries are by definition not in Europe. Uh, we extended it to, to ISO to get c- producing countries on board and also consuming countries like the United States.
0: Um, why did why did it take so long? Because my, my understanding was that the initial deadline to publish the standard was in two thousand and sixteen, and it took it ended up taking eight years. Why, why is it taken so long?
1: Well, m- mostly because as a standardization organization, ISO is very much standardized itself. And this was the first time that we were setting a standard for a sustainable commodity. And this is something completely different from setting a standard for a technical issue or a management procedure. I think that having done this, uh, you could set any ISO standard for a sustainable commodity in three years.
0: To what degree have farmers and cooperatives been involved to develop this standard?
1: Uh, we've had um, a wide participation, um, we've had farmer organizations. And in cocoa-producing countries, cocoa, or, cocoa farmer organizations have been involved in, in the national committees. Even at this moment, farmers uh, are not very well organized. In many countries, organization levels are about 10-15%. That makes it uh, makes it difficult.
0: And I want to get some more detail on the sections of the standard. There are four key components. The the, the first part is about sustainable management system what is this part in essence
1: saying well this is the the part that introduces the the planning cycle and uh, that also introduces a concept that we have called the farm development plan and the idea is that um, before a farmer would decide whether or not he would want to seek uh a certification for meeting all the requirements, whether he would want to meet all the requirements. Before that uh, he would be discussing the development of his farm with somebody from the organization and only when it turns out that he will benefit from uh, participation uh, he would join the the cycle. So this way we would make sure that nobody would be lured into a certification process. Uh, when it's sure on the forehand that's it would not be economically beneficial to him. How high or low is the entry bar? We uh, deliberately set a bar at three levels because we want to have a bar as low as possible for uh, all farmers to be able to, to participate. Farmers are recognized as sustainable from the moment they are they have joined the first level. Uh, They should meet the requirements of the second level uh, within five years and the requirements of the highest level five years later. So the bar uh, is high, the threshold is low. The philosophy behind this is that you see throughout the world countries committing themselves to using sustainable cocoa only on their markets. Uh, the Netherlands, uh, Germany, Belgium, Switzerland, Uh, companies uh, committing themselves to using only sustainable cocoa, and then if the ISO standard would be one of the definitions of sustainable cocoa, we would not want to have as a result that farmers will be excluded from those markets. Because if you commit yourself to sustainability, you commit yourself to helping farmers and not to excluding them from markets.
0: So you spoke a little bit about the second component of the standard, which is the, the economic, social and environmental and criteria. And you, and you mentioned for a farmer, there was a low bar to entry and then there were different tiers three tiers so could you explain with us the, the final tier i mean what's the end game
1: by saying something would be the end game uh, that would be a little bit m- misleading uh, the end game at this at this moment uh, would be that uh farmers would reach uh the highest level of sustainability that we are thinking of right now in profitability, in entrepreneurship, in taking care of um, the uh, the environmental uh, impact of cocoa farming, uh, and of course, uh, in uh, taking care of the, the social impact and deforestation is uh, part of the standard uh, child labor, of course. Some um, of these uh, requirements are set at the highest level from the beginning and others are at a later stage. The main difference between the levels is that uh, at first time, at first farmers need to be made aware of an issue and uh, then they need to be helped to do away with that issue and then the issue should be gone. Could you
0: give a little bit more detail on what the, the, the highest level of sustainability is? It currently, as it currently currently stands, I understand it's an evolving concept. Concept, but as it currently stands, what does it mean for, for example, for, for for farmer income?
1: Farmer income itself is not a requirement. The way the requirements are being dealt with will have an impact on farmer income. For instance, we have made some preparations on how to introduce a living income, but we did not describe how the living income should be. Uh, We have um, requirements, provisions for how a premium should be distributed and how they should be dealt with in a transparent process that is fully documented and so on. We have not set a level for premiums.
0: Anthony Fountain, managing director of cocoa industry watchdog The Voice Network, helped develop the social and economic aspects of the ISO standard. He gave his take on what the standard might mean for farmers and the market.
2: I'm not sure the ISO standard itself is going to be widely picked up as far as tonnages is concerned. In fact, I'd be quite surprised. There's no delivery vehicle. It's, 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 it's cumbersome and unwieldy, specifically at cooperative level. So, I'd be surprised if it, if it gains significant market traction. We don't think that you could say that the ISO standard is the standard for sustainability. Um, it doesn't talk about price. It's weak on environment. It's far too prescriptive on management systems. Um, but but most importantly, because the problem in cocoa is not the farmers. The problem is the system. And so if we want if we want it to be sustainable, that's where we need rules that that, that make the system actors comply. Um, certain parts of the socio-economic standard, I think, are probably the best kind of a standard that we have in the sector at the moment. And specifically the socioeconomic aspects. I think the environmental part of the ISO standard is quite weak. It, that really would have to strongly improve. Part of the economics that is strong is, is that it helps farmers become better businessmen. It helps them set up um, a, a decent farm plan. It helps them get better information and, and grip on the economics of their farm. Um, the part of it that's really weak, though, is that because of the rules that ISO has is you're not allowed to talk about about contractual obligations at all in an iso standard which means that there's absolutely no mention of all of paying the farmer a fair price and you can't call cocoa sustainable if the farmer has not been paid a fair price
0: how can these farmers be called called sustainable how can this cocoa being purchased by some large multinational corporations be called sustainable when you know there are farmers who are part of those those programs or, or, or standards that are living on less than a dollar ninety a day, the UN Sustainable Development Goal One is um, is zero poverty by by twenty thirty. So why is there no measurement of of income?
1: Well, there are several reasons for that. Uh, some of them are are practical. Um, one is that if you set a standard in discussion with a lot of Companies, uh, you will not speak about prices and how prices are being determined, uh, because there are lots of regulations. Again, that. Uh, the other is that uh, there are very there are many factors uh, that influence income, and it's not only price. So, uh, if you would only discuss about price, you would not uh, you would not reach uh, your goal. Neither. Uh, what we did, on the contrary, is uh, with the Farm Development Plan and provisions about helping farmers to diversify is uh, creating the conditions for farmers to be less depending uh, on their income from cocoa farming.
0: It seems odd to me that the UN has a vision for sustainability, that nobody would be living below, below the extreme poverty line by 2030, but why is it not a requirement? within the standard that companies at least track the level of income to ensure nobody's nobody's living below that threshold?
1: You cannot solve all the problems um, in sustainability with just one standard. You need a lot of actions that are parallel. Our standard is for the sustainable production of cocoa, has requirements for that, has um, provisions that help farmers become entrepreneurs, uh, giving them um, a possibility to reduce their uh, dependency on uh, on cocoa, making them less vulnerable for the prices of cocoa. This is what you can do in a standard. Um, discussions about prices and so on are, as I pointed out earlier, difficult to Im- improve uh, to to include into the standards. Um, you need a set of instruments to solve the issue. This uh, standard solves part of that issue. You need other measures that are um, taken in parallel.
0: I'm not talking about, about pricing though. I, I mean, as part, as part of the standard, why is it not a requirement to just track and report incomes so that, that you can at least prove that there is a progressive improvement in income over time so that farmers can truly be emancipated?
1: Because this is a, a cocoa standard and uh, we follow what is happening in, in cocoa. And even in the, the cocoa belts, in cocoa producing countries like Ghana and, and Cote d'Ivoire, cocoa is only 60% at the maximum of, of the revenue. So, what we do is we have provisions to make sure that the distribution of income from cocoa, of revenues from cocoa, is clear, is traceable. And indeed, you can track into the systems of uh, of a cooperative how they distributed the revenues from cocoa to farmers and to some extent also what farmers have received from that. I'm not sure whether with privacy requirements and so on, uh, you will be able to, to collect data on how much a single farmer would have had uh, benefit, would have... How much benefit a specific farmer would have had from this cocoa, but um, the cocoa is being uh, being followed, and um, traceability of uh, and transparency of distribution of premiums, distribution of revenue from cocoa sales. That's core. That is uh, core within the transaction of cocoa. So it's. The results of the standard can be used, but you also need other uh, instruments to have a complete picture.
0: Is it possible that a farmer who's part of a program or a standard that's following the, the new ISO standard could still be living in extreme poverty? Could Their family still may suffer from malnutrition. They might not be able to send their, their,
1: their children to school. In a long longer run... Um, I would say no, because then the farm development plan would have indicated that the farmer would not be able to have a uh, economic benefit from participating in the standard. The farm development plan would even indicate that he would better would be better off uh, with other cash crops than with cocoa. If he would still live in poverty um, after he would have been in the standard for more than 10 years and be fully sustainable according to the to the requirements uh, then um, he would be moving out of cocoa
0: if the development plan does show that um, a particular particular farmer you know will never meet their standards and they need to make a transition to a- another livelihood or, or or another crop I mean how do they do it where does the support come from how do they chop down all the cocoa trees that they have to you know, replant and something else and start something completely different.
1: Yes, again, this is uh, what I said. You can't solve everything with just one standard. And uh, at other occasions, I have already said that we should stop, try to solve all the issues only within within Cocoa. Uh, you would need a broad approach of agriculture in, uh, in those areas. And... Uh, you cannot request from a cocoa company to fully fund a diversification of farming outside of cocoa uh, because he would never be able to to recuperate uh, his investment. Uh, we have a provision that the, the costs of meeting the standard, the investments of meeting the requirements of the standard should be borne by the first buyer who would go into a Contract uh, for for this, uh, but the contract of course would involve uh, a right of first refusal for the uh, for the for the cocoa or the harvest of that cooperative. So if in a certain area uh, there's no future in cocoa, um, I think there's a responsibility for the government uh, of that area, local, uh, regional, and national to to see what, what alternatives there are. And, of course, um, cocoa can be involved in that, but uh, the responsibility would be wider.
0: Does the standard recommend the length of, of, of buying contracts?
1: As should, I'm, I'm not really sure about that. It's, it's a right of first refusal. So um, the it, it's not that the farmer organization is obliged to sell to the first uh, buyer that has made the investments, uh, the obligation is to at least offer the, fir- um, the cocoa first to, to that company. And then if they say the price is too high, then the, the organization is free to offer it to, to others. Uh, that's negotiation. And also the length of such contracts uh, will be a result of that negotiation. I mean,
0: One of the components to this in part three of the standard is is traceability. What level of traceability are we, are we talking about?
1: We have three systems of traceability. The highest level is identity preserved. So you are sure that the cocoa that is in your chocolate bar, because traceability is from the farm gate, cooperative gate, to the, to the bar. So with uh, identity preserved, uh, you will be sure and you will know uh, which farmer has uh, uh, grown your cocoa. We have uh, full segregation, and this is uh, that throughout the uh, logistical process of the cocoa and the processing and so on, throughout the the chain, the cocoa that is sustainable has been separated from unsustainable cocoa, and we recognize um, mass balance, and we have tightened the rules for for mass balance, uh, making sure that. Um, the credits that you use in in mass balance uh, for sustainability have actually been uh, derived from sustainability projects in the same region whereas in former days you could have a sustainability project in Peru and use it for cocoa from Ghana Uh, and we have uh, made clear that um, the credits would be for the butter as well as for the powder uh, that comes from the cocoa bean whereas in former days uh, you could also uh, um, use the credits for the powder as nobody is interested in buying sustainable powder you could use those credits for an additional uh, volume of sustainable cocoa butter. So um, three levels of sustainability, identity preserved, uh, full segregation and mass balance and very strict rules on on mass balance.
0: How does the standard um, deviate from existing certification standards like Fair Trade, Rainforest Alliance. Now, 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 merged with um, with with OOTS.
1: What we have seen over the years is that some of the results that we have set in our meeting rooms have already been implemented in other standards. And the tightening definition of mass balance, it has already been introduced by Fair Trade. And, uh, and reinforced Alliance uh, uh, from the first of January 2018. And I know that we've had a very tough discussion on that uh, somewhere in 2014, 2015. Uh, so the good thing is that uh, because of the length of our process, uh some things have already been been included you can see in uh, private sustainability schemes uh, by large companies uh, such as uh, Calabout very Calabout and Mondelēz and, and others that some of the provisions and requirements of the ISO standards have already been introduced in their programs as as well
0: you you, you said as a result of the process of ISO they've been adapting their their, their standards but you know will they Will they also have to make changes now?
1: Well, uh, it's a free world, so everybody uh, uh, can choose his own options. Um, Our objective was to convince others by the quality of our standards that they should align to us. You cannot force people to do so. Um, uh, What may happen is that they would align fully to the requirements of the ISO standard. In that case, they could say that their private standard is based on ISO 34,101, uh, which would help um, or improve m- maybe the uh, the credibility of, of, of such a standard. Uh, one could also imagine that NGOs would use the ISO standard as a benchmark uh, if they were looking at other standards. It, it is, of course, all
0: voluntary so i mean what, what if companies just decide some of the requirements are too stringent and decide to to, to ignore it what, what are the implications you, you know you could have a company calling a whole host of brands you know sustainable that don't conform to any of the iso standards and in effect nothing happens to you
1: yeah uh, but i think in that case uh if that standard would be better uh why would we care and if that standard would be worse, uh, I would say that um, the markets would be quick enough to react to that and say, "Hey, this just doesn't, this just isn't enough." Uh, see, uh, this is ISO. This could be a benchmark. Uh, you are way below. Uh, how can you call that sustainable? And uh, I think NGOs are uh, have their, uh, an important role there. Authorities will. Uh, I don't think competitors will point out that to their competitors. But, uh, yeah, there is a benchmark now. And if people uh, say, okay, this is uh, maybe uh, we, we go our own way, uh, then they would have to explain why they would go their own way.
0: Should this be mandatory and enshrined in legislation?
1: I'm, um, In general, not very much in favor of making things mandatory. If they are good, they will prevail anyway. Uh, So let's see how this would work out in the first phase. Um, If it will be adopted. At some point, other companies may want to cheat on competition by doing it uh, the wrong way. Uh, In a later stage, one could think about making this mandatory. I know that some people are discussing this and also in politics. I would say, uh, let's see how this would work out in practice. Then uh, people will pick it up voluntary. And if it's voluntary, uh, that's, that's much stronger than making mandatory. Because if you make it mandatory, you have to have sanctions to all those that are not. Uh, and you have to have inspections and so on.
0: As it remains voluntary, I assume the responsibility for conformity to the standard falls with companies in effect it's it's self-policing
1: that- no because this is the advantage of the ISO system uh, ISO has a large infrastructure of auditing companies that need to be accredited to this standards and we have made a point out of it that you would need to have third-party certification third-party auditing uh, in order to be able to say that you meet the requirements of this standard so, and no auditing company that has an accreditation uh, would uh, cheat with ISO rules because if it would lose their accreditation to ISO standards, it would simply stop being. Is
0: a standard in, it, in itself, ISO standard 34101, going to mean something to? a farmer in Côte d'Ivoire I mean how can what will the standard actually mean for the everyday lives of people
1: I think that uh, the farmer will not buy by the standards Um, the standards will be bought by the auditing companies by the companies that want to that demand that cocoa meets the the requirements of of that standard Uh, lots of intermediaries and the requirements of maybe a farmer organization uh, the requirements of the standard are all for the farmer organization. Helping, uh, making sure the farmer organization becomes professional, making sure that it is transparent, making sure that it has documentation, and so on, and so on. So what will it help the farmer? It will help the farmer uh, become an entrepreneur that can see for himself, is cocoa interesting for him or not? Uh, that would have an organization that would be of help for him. As as you, as you know, in many cocoa producing countries, you have cooperatives that are cooperatives by name only, but that are in fact buying companies, uh, trading companies in disguise. Uh, it will improve transparency a lot. So um, it will be an instrument for, for farmers to, to become um, entrepreneurs, like, like uh, farmers in, in other countries in, in, in Western Europe. Farmers have gone a long way uh, from being dependent uh, and being exploited to being entrepreneurs. Um, this this standard will help farmers become entrepreneurs also in cocoa producing countries.
0: But you have the, the, the Swiss platform on sustainable cocoa that has a shorter definition to have the German initiative on sustainable cocoa with, um, with, with its definition. I mean, how does the ISO standards sit with those country definitions and countries that are looking to develop definitions?
1: Uh, what we I can tell you for uh, for the Netherlands, uh, there is also uh, a, a Dutch commitment that was signed in 2010 to have sustainable cocoa on the Dutch consumption markets by 2025. And I can tell you that those parties are now wor- working on a new uh, intention to to go beyond that. Uh, in that, uh, the first one, uh, the definition of sustainability was as proved by a major um, sustainability scheme, such as uh, FedRATES, Woods Rainforest Alliance, uh, they will add on ISO uh, 34,101, um, or anything that can be proved to be at the same level. Uh, private scheme could fit those those requirements as uh, far as it uh, meets the same level of sustainability as as those others.
0: What percentage of annual global cocoa volumes do you expect is compliant with the ISO standard and how do you expect that to develop over time?
1: can see that at this moment around 20% of the cocoa meets sustainability standards and then if you would add on the private schemes you would uh, come at around 40% I would suppose. Um, I do think that uh, sustainable cocoa will be mainstream instead of niche as it still is and uh, that um, indeed uh, on European markets you would not find unsustainable cocoa uh, within uh, let's say 10 years uh, and I would certainly hope that, that other markets would uh, would follow and um, sustainably. Uh, producing companies, cocoa producing and chocolate uh, producing companies have set their own um, engagements Uh, so in that case sustainable cocoa would be 80% or more That brings us to the
0: end of our podcast It's worth noting that the ISO cocoa standard also allows chocolate brands to make claims on pack and online so it will be interesting to see how that plays out in a market flooded with fair trade claims. This podcast was brought to you by Lumina Intelligence Sustainability. We'll be following closely if the ISO standard helps ease some of those systemic problems in cocoa like farmer income, malnutrition and um, child labour, or if those issues will be still talking points at industry conferences 10 years from now. Thank you for listening. The Music Critic is for Blue Dot Sessions. Goodbye.